If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. Uh, we're going to actually start in Proverbs 4, uh, chapter 4 today. Uh, we're, we're, in, we're continuing our series, uh, week two of ER, ER, uh, Extraordinary Relationships. You know, as Pastor Todd said last week, uh, that, you know, when we hear the words ER, uh, normally we think of the emergency room, right? The, the emergency room, but this series is on extraordinary relationships and how how he started out last week as he was saying some relationships in this room maybe even are feel like they're in the ER maybe feel like they're in a state of emergency or in an emergency situation so you know we hope and our goal and prayer is for this series to move any relationships hopefully relationships that are struggling that are in an emergency state to move them from that state into a state of extraordinary relationship. So just to recap quickly from last week, Pastor Todd talked about why we should value all relationships. Then he talked about that the quality of life is largely dependent on the relationships you cultivate. And then he gave us some keys to relational transformation. I just want to encourage you, if you were not here last week, I encourage you to go on our, uh, the church app. If you don't have our church app yet, download it on your phone. And if not, go to our website and uh, listen to the message. I encourage you to catch up. We don't have time to, to recap everything, but with those key points uh, are very vital and, and for you to just stay connected throughout the whole series. So I just want to encourage you, if you hadn't listened to it, go back. You can listen to it or watch it on our app or on the website. So again, this morning we're going to continue our series, and I'm going to start in Proverbs 4.23. In the New Living Translation, the Bible says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is awesome and true, life-giving, life-changing. Uh, Lord, we do desire extraordinary relationships. And Lord, we know that your word is the, the, uh, uh, the manual, Lord God. It, it is the, the owner's manual, so to speak, of, of relationships, of life, Lord. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us and bring your word to life that we can see and we can know, Lord, everything it is that you have for us and what you're trying to say to us and give us the grace and the strength, the endurance and stamina to live it out all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as Proverbs says to guard our hearts above all else because it determines the course of our life, of course, if, if our heart determines the course of our life, it, that includes our relationships in life, right? So I believe we need to guard our hearts because it will determine our relationships, the course of our relationships. You know, any discussion, I believe, about relationships, whether it's in our families, with our friends, co-workers, classmates, etc., has to start with the condition of our heart. So as Pastor Todd asked me to preach today, he asked me to go in this direction, dealing with the heart, dealing with, with our heart. You know, if you look at the physical heart, the heart is perhaps the most important organ. Traditionally, we determine life or death by whether our heart is functioning right or not, right? There's four major arteries uh, that serve the heart, and as long as these arteries are free of blockage, of course, our heart uh, will be able to function right. Blood will be able to flow through our heart, and will it'll work just fine as it's supposed to. But we know, especially here in South Louisiana, is that if those arteries get blocked, right, are narrow, are restricted, that the health and capacity of the heart uh, are severely impaired. If the blockage becomes too great, we know that a heart attack can happen and you might even have to have bypass surgery. We know many, probably a lot of us, or I say a lot, some of us in this room 
I know I've had bypass surgery. You know somebody, I'm sure, that's had maybe a heart attack, maybe a stent put in their heart, or, or had a, a bypass surgery because these arteries have got clogged. And when they get clogged, what happens is they get hard, and they're not, they lose their elasticity, and they don't function right. So the health of the heart is vital to the health of the entire body. In similar fashion, if our heart, not the physical one, but the spiritual one that the Bible talks about, Whenever it talks about the heart, it's not talking about our physical heart. Actually, the Jewish people believed it was your inner man, your inner person, or your spirit. If that's not healthy, then chances are your relationships are not going to be healthy. Right? If there's healthy, your relationships will be healthy. If your heart's not healthy, then relationships in your life will be strained. So the condition of your heart is the crux of healthy relationships. So... If we will examine our hearts and remove the blockages that are hindering us, we will experience the free flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives and begin to experience extraordinary relationships. Do you believe that? In Matthew 19, Jesus addresses the issue of hardness of heart and how it affects relationships. Now, in this passage I'm about to read, this was specifically dealing with marriage. But again, just to use the physical, you know, if your heart, your arteries get blocked, those organs become hard or those valves become hard. Same thing in our, our spiritual heart. We can become hard-hearted, which will affect our marriages moving forward. So Jesus addresses this. After reiterating God's original plan for one man and one woman being joined together as one, Jesus answers the Pharisees' question concerning why Moses allowed divorce. And in Matthew 19.8, Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. He made it very clear even back then. And of course, Jesus, and, and the, he begins to teach this. Paul teaches all through the New Testament about divorce and how God never intended that. But people had hard hearts. And so at the time, Moses allowed them uh, to do this because a condition of their heart. Now listen, just as improper diet, lack of exercise, or genetics can cause the arteries of our physical heart to become hard and brittle, certain things can happen in your spirit that can become, cause you to become hard and bitter. So now let's look at three important factors that can cause your heart to become hard. Obviously, this is not an extensive list, but three things. I'm going to give you three things that can cause your heart to become hard, and then I'm going to end it with three things to help soften your heart. So let's look at the three factors that can cause your heart to become hard. The first thing is selfishness. It's selfishness. Selfishness is a pretty self-explanatory word, but let's look at it a little bit closer. Selfishness is actually the opposite of serving. Let me say that again. Selfishness is the opposite of serving. If you're serving, if you have a heart to serve, chances are you're not selfish. So it's selfishness instead of serving. You know, again, Jesus addressed this issue with two of his disciples in Matthew 20. James and John and their mother came to Jesus and they were, they were jockeying for position in his kingdom. And the Lord gently rebuked them saying this in Matthew 20, 26 and 28. He said, yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Jesus' entire ministry was wrapped up in one word, and that was serving, right? 
That's, that's who Jesus was. That's what he stood for. He was serving. That, that wasn't a selfish bone in Jesus's body. Do y'all believe that? We wouldn't be sitting here if, if he did, right? There wasn't a selfish bone in his body. He, he was characterized by serving. So listen, if your heart is a heart to serve and your desire is to help others, then your heart can remain tender and soft. On the other hand, if your heart is characterized by selfishness and self-centeredness, then you will become hard-hearted, inflexible, only thinking of yourself. You know, certain words and phrases like my time, my agenda, my money, my career, my hobbies. When you, when, when you hear yourself saying that a lot, uh, or, or people saying that a lot, a lot of times these phrases are the benchmark of a person whose heart is basically selfish. Now, I'm not just talking about talking about my time, my career, my money, but when everything that you decide and that you do and that you focus on revolves around the phrase, my fill in the blank, there's a good chance you might be selfish. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens on this one, but it's true. Listen, I was convicted like many times as I was studying this, right? So I'm including myself in here. You know, some people will make all their decisions based solely on themselves and what they want to do. But listen, we're talking about relationships. When it comes to relationships, when you're in a relationship with people, your decisions not only affect you, but they affect everyone around you, right? That's why you can't have a successful marriage, friendship with your coworkers, wherever it might be. If you're selfish and self-centered, if it's all about you, it's not going to work out too good. Right? You even hear, you, we've all heard that term in sports. There's no I in team, right? If there's a team sport, if there's one person that wants to be all about him, usually it don't work too good. Or you got a couple guys that want to be all about them. I'm looking at Pastor Kelly here. Him and my son were talking about basketball earlier. And I remember years ago uh, that, that this kind of super team got put together and it was all these star players, some young and some old. And they were like, man, surely these guys are going to win the, 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 the championship. Well, they got to the NBA finals and a, a team that just started coming up through the ranks that there's like, man, these guys are going to get smashed. They ended up winning the whole thing. And I think a lot of that, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Kelly, was these superstars, it was they were focused on them and they wanted the ball and they wanted the big play, right? Anytime you're in a team, a relationship, it can be a sports, it can be, again, in your family, to be at home. If you have selfishness as, as the center of your life, it's not going to work out too good and your heart becomes hard because of selfishness. Again, hardness of heart. People that serve usually don't have hard hearts. Think about this. Can you imagine what your family would look like if you woke up tomorrow morning and everyone in your home was totally concentrated on serving each other? What if when you woke up tomorrow morning, your spouse said, honey, what's your plans for today? And how can I help you? Now, after you get up off the floor from passing out, you would, you would be like, wow, all right, well, 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 let me think about that. Well, what about your kids? What if your children said, did the same thing and said, mom or dad, what can I do to help today? What can I, can I get you something to drink? Can I help, you know, with the laundry, with the dishes or something like that, you know? Wouldn't it be amazing if we woke up every morning focusing on this? And let me say that she's not here today. My wife's out of town, but I got to brag on my wife. As I was studying this and as I was reading this and typing this out and, and, and whatnot, I send this to my wife because you know what? My wife has asked me that. I'm going to go ahead and brag on her here for a minute. There's been quite a few times where my wife has said, hey, 
you know what? I noticed you're busy. I noticed you're stressed out or you have a lot going on. How can I help you? And I know she's just as busy as I am. But she took the time to say, hey, how can I help you today? And I, I'm a blessed man. It shows a heart to serve. She, she has a heart to serve and, and, to, and to help. You know, the power of loving serving helps remove the blockage of selfishness from any hard part. Would you agree with that? Even if you don't, it's true, right? We need to have an attitude of serving in our homes, in our marriages, and with our children. Listen, you know, and parents, let me just, I wouldn't plan on saying this. You know that you can serve your children? You know, some parents have a hard time with that, like serve my children. That's a child. I'm not, but you know, you can serve your children. You can honor. You know what? The main thing about relationships, and I think why a lot of relationships go awry is because there's a lack of honor. I remember Pastor Larry Stocksdale standing on this stage preaching at our marriage conference, and he, he did a whole session on honor, and he said this. He said, honor up, honor down, honor all around. So we should honor all of those in authority, our spouses, our coworkers, our friends, even our children, right? And, and, and you know what? It's, it's a heart to serve one another that will help, first and foremost, soften a hard heart. Number two is rejection. Rejection can, can be the second cause of a hard heart. And, and, and rejection, you usually always get rejected in a form of a relationship. Rejection can happen when you're a child or it can happen when you're 80 years old, all through life. You can be rejected on your job or at home. Maybe, again, you know, in, in sports. I can remember hearing of, of children that they would, you know, got rejected, you know, in, again, in sports as a kid. That every time they would pick teams, they were always the last one to get picked, you know. It could be something like that. Regardless of the source of rejection, when you get rejection, rejected, what happens is you lose your sense of self-worth and acceptance when you're not treated, again, with honor, dignity, and respect. See, it's really rejection is the opposite of respect. People that have been rejected have hurts that leads them to draw back from developing real relationship with others, even in their family. So, you know, even now, begin to pray and take inventory on yourself where you're at. You know, if you struggle in your relationships at home with your spouse, with your coworkers, friends, whatever relationships, think about have you been rejected in your life? Has somebody rejected you? Have maybe multiple people rejected you or a group of people possibly? You know, rejection sustained, especially in families, is probably the deepest form of rejection, especially that re when that rejection comes from a parent. And want to go even deeper, dads, for us, especially when it comes from a father. You know, I read a story about a former NFL player, big 6'7", 280-pound God, I mean, just massive man, you know, solid as a rock, um, that today is a, is a born-again believer. But he tells a story about that, that when he started playing football from when he was in elementary school all the way up through his professional career in the NFL, his dad never came to any of his games. Never did that come to one game. Think about how much time that is, elementary, junior high, high school, college, and the pros. Dad never came to a game. Finally, one day while he was playing in the NFL, he gets a phone call, and it's his dad. And he says, son, I'm coming to watch one of your games. I'm coming to your game this week. So this guy was ecstatic. When that Sunday came, he said he played like a wild man, like a madman. He played the best game of his life. He, like, he blocked a, a field goal. He had, uh, you know, he sacked the quarterback. He had like five, uh, six unassisted tackles. I mean, just had the game of his life. 
When the game was over, he sees his dad in the stand. He runs to his dad waiting just for the affirmation, the embrace of his father that he'd been waiting for all those years. But instead of getting a hug or a pat on the back, his dad stood there with his arms folded and said, son, you could have played much better than you did today. You could about imagine the rejection and the pain that this young man felt. Because of this, his, his, his life spiraled downward uh, and, and he struggled throughout his life with relationships and with all kind of, you know, hurt and pain in his life until eventually he got saved. The Lord saved him and began to heal his heart and his wounds of the rejection of his father. So you can see how rejection could harden our hearts, you know, and, and, and not only hurt us, but of course all relationships around us. So as I tell that story, has something like this happened to you before? Have you been rejected by a parent, by your father, maybe your mom, brothers and sisters, maybe teammates, maybe classmates, maybe, maybe coworkers, even currently at, at, your, at your place of employment right now, friends, family, maybe even somebody in the church. If it has happened to you, there's someone who knows your pain. The Lord Jesus understands like no one else the deep anguish you carry in your heart when it comes to rejection. When Jesus hung on the cross, not only did he suffer the abandonment from most of his earthly companions, but he also experienced the ultimate rejection when the Father had to turn his back for a moment when Jesus bore the sin of the world on him. And we're familiar with the scripture. A lot of us are. Maybe you're not, so I'm going to read it. Matthew 27 46, the anguished heart cry of the Lord Jesus when he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In that moment, because of our sin and because he had to take the sin of the world, the Lord in that moment had to re reject him. And so Jesus knows. That's why he said, well, man, I, you know, no matter what happens, the Lord knows what I'm going through. Really? Yeah, really. Even Jesus in that moment was rejected by his father. Again, for our sakes, then of course we know the father deeply loves him. But in that moment, because of to carry out the wonderful plan of salvation, he felt the pain of rejection. He experienced the agony of rejection. So it doesn't matter what kind of rejection you suffered from people, the Lord understands. Unless you allow the Lord to heal you of this rejection, it will always have a negative effect on your relationships. Amen? So today, even as I'm speaking right now, I, I pray, and I've been praying, and I prayed this morning that, that the Lord would begin to heal you and to soften that heart because that wound, those hurts, those rejections you carry with you, and you might not think it's a big deal. Oh, man, that was years ago that happened. That doesn't, that, that doesn't affect me anymore. But you might not correlate that the struggles you're having in your, in your relationships right now could be due to rejection that maybe even happened years and years ago. The third blockage in the heart that can ruin relationships is bitterness. It's bitterness. And, and this can be, this bitterness can tell off of this last point of rejection. Could be because you've been rejected, you've been hurt, maybe you were abused, you know. There's, I mean, there's thousands of ways that us as humans hurt one another. But it could be bitterness. Bitterness, you know, sticking with the heart, bitterness is, is Kind of like heartburn, in a sense. Except a really bad case of one. When you hold a grudge against someone, you cannot even bear the mention of that person's name. When you think of that person or the hurt that was done, 
you're inflamed and, and, and feelings begin to come up of ill will, ill feelings, and unforgiveness towards that person. That may be where some people are today, sitting in this room. You have refused to forgive, and so there's this bitterness that's inside of it. And every time you think about it, just like when you get a heartburn and it just comes up and begins to hurt and bother you and, and cause indigestion and all this kind of stuff, that's what's going on in your life spiritually and emotionally. Someone has hurt you deeply and you have not been able or you've refused to let it go. The only way that you will be able to move past that hurt and that heartache is to make a decision to release and to forgive those that hurt you. Listen to me. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not an emotion. A lot of us, you know, we, we get that confused. And, and just recently, I know Pastor Todd, you know, taught uh, pretty extensively on forgiveness as he was teaching through the Lord's Prayer. And he, he taught about forgiveness and, and whatnot. So I'm, I'm going to hit on a little bit more. Because the Bible makes it clear in Colossians 3.13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And this is where it says, remember, how can we do that? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. Again, Pastor Todd taught on that and used the illustration of the, of the king that forgave the servant the, the huge debt. And then the servant went off and, and, and wouldn't forgive another servant of a smaller debt. But let me give you another example about Jesus going back to the cross. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ set the standard for forgiveness when he did the unthinkable and release those who had tortured him and crucified him. In Luke 23, 40, I'm sorry, 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He's crying out this why he's on the cross. He's just been tortured. And, and, and the, the, the gruesome details of the, of, of the cross is it, just, it's sometimes even unbearable to hear or to read or uh, movies that have been depicted of it. Here he is hanging on the cross, literally getting closer to death with every breath, and he releases and forgives those that put him there. Despite the agony of his physical torment and the ridicule and mocking of people, he still said, Father, forgive them. Remember, bitterness doesn't just affect your relationship with a person that hurts you. Because, of course, we know it affects that person. You, you probably don't want to speak to that person. You don't ever want to see that person again. Again, just thinking about them or whatnot causes these, these feelings of anxiety and anger and frustration. But, but the Bible tells us that bitterness doesn't only affect our relationship with the person that hurt us, but it can affect our relationships around us that have nothing to do with it. Look at Hebrews 12, 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Now, look what it says here. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up, look what it says, troubling you, corrupting many. Isn't that powerful? Saying bitterness can trouble you, which it does, but corrupting many, not just maybe the person that has offended you. So I, I believe bitterness can corrupt many relationships in our lives. That's what happens whenever we refuse to forgive and we hold on to bitterness in our lives, it can corrupt the relationships all around us, in our homes, again, our workplace, friends, and whatnot. So listen, when we talk about forgiveness, and, and, and I've, I've come to personally learn and to grow in the area of forgiveness, and I had a misconception about forgiveness when I first got saved, and hey, we forgive, and it's just quick, and it's done. I understand forgiveness is a process. 
especially when you've been deeply hurt, deeply wounded, when, when something traumatic has happened to you. I'm not downplaying or making light of anything that you've gone through. And I know people sitting in this room have been through some traumatic stuff. But it's, it, 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 the, the difference between forgiving and unforgiveness, unforgiveness is refusing to forgive. You're saying, I'm not even going to try. I'll never forgive that person. That's where bitterness comes in. There's a difference when you say, okay, I know what the word says. I know the Lord has forgiven me. And Lord, I want to work towards forgiveness. Now, that might take some time. But as you continue to pray, and I encourage you to get with others that can help you through that. Again, that's why we have life groups. Life groups are so important because you have others that can, that can help you. It's amazing how the Bible says in James, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. There's something about you. It might be the sin of unforgiveness or something that you've done or some bitterness. And you begin to talk to someone about that and get someone to pray with you and help you. And we're here to help you as a staff to help you walk through that forgiveness. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not an emotion. But I encourage you to make a choice today that you're going to begin the journey of forgiveness. Amen. So selfishness, bitterness and rejection are a diagnosis for a hardened heart. Any one of these can block your heart and keep you from the love and grace of God flowing through and in your relationships. The good news, there's always good news with the Lord, right? The good news is that God wants to remove those blockages. He wants your heart to be soft again so that you can love and have extraordinary relationships in your life. He wants to heal your heart and change you from the inside out. And he has a perfect plan to do this. There are three things now that I want to give you. As we wrap it up, three things that will soften your heart. And it's found, we can see an outline of it in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. He says this, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. Amen. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Right here we see three things that will soften your heart. Number one is when the Lord begins to cleanse your heart. The cleansing of the heart. You know, you notice in, in, in the word that starts off verse 25 is then, right? Then. This implies that something happened before, but now God is going to do something different. The Lord is the only one who can truly cleanse us from our past. All of us have done things to damage relationships in our lives. Isn't that true? We all have. We've all, I know I've, again, this, I'm preaching to myself today. I know I've done uh, much to damage my relationship with my wife, even my children. I've done things that I so regret and, 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 and wish I haven't done or haven't said, even with friends, with coworkers. And, 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 but man, I'm so thankful the Lord says, you know what? I'll cleanse you from that. I will cleanse you in your heart. That cleansing comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 2 says this, as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the Bible makes it clear that we can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We can be washed spiritually. It's, it's supernaturally. You might be, you know, new to Christianity or first time in church. You're like, man, what you mean you can be washed in the blood? It's, it's something by faith supernaturally. Again, first John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. So I love those two. When you think about those two scriptures, we confess our sins to the Lord for forgiveness and cleansing, and then we confess to other people for healing, right? So listen, if you feel like you, you have a hard heart, maybe that you, there, there's some, some, one of those three things or all three of those have happened to you, you know, and you know there's something that you've done to bring some of this on. You've done things to damage your relationships with others, with your spouse, your children, your friends, your brothers, sisters, mom and dad, whoever it may be. Ask the Lord to forgive you. It's very simple. He says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just. He's a just God and he will cleanse us from our unrighteousness and wash our hearts clean. Do you believe this? Amen. Number two, the second way our hearts get softened is when our hearts get changed. It's the changing of our heart from the Lord. Look at verse 26. And I will give you a new heart. Come on, that's good news right there. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take your stony, stubborn heart, that's the hard heart we just talked about, and give you a tender, responsive heart. Come on, the, the Lord is the best heart surgeon ever, that ever existed, right? He, 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 does, he does heart transplants every day, right? And you don't even need insurance for it. Praise God. Amen. He can give us, he can, he can change our hearts. After he cleanses us, he wants to do something remarkable and give us a new heart. You'll be changed on the inside so that the blockages in your heart will no longer exist. It's like the Lord saying, hey, give me that rejection. Give me that bitterness. Give me that selfishness. And I will put a brand new heart on the inside of you. Y'all, this is the essence of what it means to be born again, right? When we're born again, when we ask the Lord into our life and ask us to forgive us, that's what he does. He transforms us. He changes us. We might look the same on the outside, but he, he, he gives us a heart transplant and we become new on the inside. That's why I often say, and I prayed that again this morning, that I truly believe that being born again is the greatest miracle that can ever take place. It's when someone's truly born again and we are on one path in life and headed one place in eternity and overnight, if, if you were like me, maybe it wasn't overnight, but literally, I walked down this aisle one person, and when I walked back up that aisle, I was a totally different person. When I got home that night, I still did some of the things I were doing for a while, but I knew instantly something had changed in me. Before I left this spot at the altar, I had got a heart transplant. My heart was changed. My, my, my life changed. You know, just like a real heart transplant, it takes some time to rehab, and you might still feel the same way and, and, and do the same things. But overall... If you, I would have never thought I would be on a stage like this speaking to you this morning. But praise God for his, his miracle working change in my life and in your life, right? And for those of you have, that haven't experienced that, in just a minute, we want to give you the opportunity to experience a heart change, to truly be transformed and be born again. Because really, that word change, is, it really should be transformed. I heard a man of God saying, I like, since I've heard it, he said, you know, we're really... It's not change we're looking for, kind of going against my own point here, but it's transformation because we can change on our own. You know that, right? We can do things to change our life, but only God can truly transform us. Amen? Might need to change that point for the second service. And then the third and final thing, it's the Lord filling us. Amen? The Lord filling us. Verse 27, and filling us with his spirit. It says, I will put my spirit in you, and so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Listen, in other words, when God 
fills you with the Holy Spirit, he changes your want to. He changes your want to. What do I mean by that? When the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you don't want to do the same things that you did before. When you get filled, your heart, he cleanses our heart, he changes our heart, then he fills us with his spirit, and, and that changes our, our, our want to. Again, there were some things I still did after God radically changed me, transformed me, but I, even as I was still doing those things, I realized I didn't want to do these things anymore. There's things I didn't want to do. And even now, today, you know, I'm talking about my addictions and my habits and all that from before, but even now when I mess up, because I still do, right, just like you do, I still mess up in my relationship with my wife, the way I talk to her sometimes, or my children or whatnot. And it's like, man, right after I do it, it's like, man, I don't want to do this. Lord, help me, change me, continue to help me. Just as the Apostle Paul said in struggle with, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing them. But you know what? Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that continues to help change our want to. He begins to help us with that. Instead of wanting to be selfish, you will want to give. Let's just go back to our first few points. Instead of being selfish, when the Holy Spirit comes in, inside of you and fills you in a greater way, you won't want to be selfish, you'll want to give. Instead of being angry and bitter, you'll want to forgive. See, let me say this. You maybe have been trying to forgive apart from the Holy Spirit. True forgiveness is something supernatural that can only be done with the help of the Lord. You can't truly forgive the way the Lord wants you to forgive. You can say, I forgive you, but you can't truly forgive from your heart without the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, the changes in our relationships would be phenomenal if we would allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and our relationships with his presence. Amen? As we were singing this morning, you know, we need your fire, release your presence. Lord, release your presence in every one of our relationships. And I think that's what we need to, we need to be focused on and mindful of not only mentally, but in the spirit is that, hey, we don't ask for God's presence just in church on Sunday morning. When you get to work tomorrow morning and you see that guy coming down the hall that you've been struggling with, begin to ask him, Lord, fill this conversation with your presence. <laughs> Amen? I'm serious. Fill this conversation with your presence, Lord. If not, if I talk to this guy apart from you, it's probably not going to be good, right? Amen? We need his presence. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us. First and foremost, initially, the Bible says don't be drunk or wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled means to be continuously filled. So if you say, Brandon, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit for 20 years. That's awesome. Every day, continue to ask the Lord to fill you in a greater way with his spirit. That word means to continuously be filled each and every day. He is the one who can change your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. He is the only one that can truly give us extraordinary relationships. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me as we close? As I made mention of just now, you know, or, or, or a few minutes ago, the most extraordinary relationship we can ever have and ever enter into is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I mentioned this scripture earlier talking about serving, but I want to read it again as we wrap it up here. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid that ransom, that cost, and that price for me and for you, for all of us in, in this room, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can truly have a heart change 
And so we can spend eternity with him. Again, he paid the ransom. He came to serve. He came to lay down his life because he knew we had a sin debt. Let me say it this way. All of us have sinned, right? And we all had a debt to pay, a spiritual, eternal debt to pay that we could never pay. So we were enslaved to sin, the Bible says. And so he had to come down. God himself, in the form of Jesus, died on the cross as a human being and paid the ultimate ransom to save us. That we can be transformed and we can be born again. And we can start an extraordinary relationship with him. And then so he can help us with every other relationship the rest of our lives. And that we can be eternally secure. Why don't you do me a favor and bow your heads with me as we pray. If you're in here today and you say, Brandon, you know, I don't know if, 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 if I'm even in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you come to church or maybe this is your first time here at church or first time in church in a long time. Maybe you've never been in church. I, I don't know where you're at. But you say, Brandon, I never knew that God wanted to have a relationship with me. Maybe you just heard of God and saw God as a do's and don'ts and he's ready for you to, to mess up. But, but God is our father. You, we see Jesus addressing him as, as his father. He's our father. So today, I want to take a moment and pray for you. If you say, Brandon, I, you know what? I don't feel like I'm forgiven for my sins. I feel like I have a hard, stubborn, stony heart and that I need a heart change. I need to be right with God. I, I, need to, I need to get saved. I talked about being born again, where you truly get transformed. You say, Brandon, I need to be born again. If, if you're not sure if, if you died and, and where you would spend eternity, if any one of these are you and you're not sure, you say, but I want to make sure today that I'm right with God. I want to give my life to Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I appreciate it. If nobody's looking around, I just want you to slip your hand up. Say, Brandon, that's me. I need a heart transplant. I need to get right with God. I need to give my life to the Lord. I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? I see your hands. Over here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I see your hand over here, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand, ma'am. Hand's still going up. Come on, we're gonna we're gonna wait. There you go. If you come on, if you if you've delayed, you say, Brand, I need to get right. Gentlemen over here, I see your hands over here. Come on, we have time. We, we're still early right now. This is the most important part of the service right now, where eternities are being changed and heart transplants are about to take place as we speak right here. For all of you that raised your hand, I'm just going to give you a few more minutes. And even if you didn't, and you desire to get right with God, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So I just want to lead you in a simple prayer, and we're all going to pray with you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for loving me. Now, Lord, I accept your free gift of salvation. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I ask that you would cleanse my heart. Begin to change my heart. Lord, do a heart transplant on me today. Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. I surrender to you today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give these a a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen, if you, if you raised your hand and or prayed that prayer for the first time, before we leave, and I'm going to dismiss you just in a minute, go ahead and fill out the card in the, in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. You can drop it off in the info center. We have something for you. I uh, want to help you get started. Listen, for the rest of before you leave, 
you don't mind, if, if, if just stay put for a minute here. Let's, let's go ahead and pray through this really quickly for the rest of us. Do me a favor, bow your head again and let's just take inventory. Maybe you have one of these three or maybe all of them. Maybe, maybe you feel like that you're selfless. You have some selfishness in your heart. Maybe you've been rejected and you need healing. Maybe there's some bitterness there. Come on, let's pray through these three right now and just ask the Lord to help us. Come on, any one of these that you feel, just ask the Lord to help you to either repent or for healing. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, I pray that you forgive me personally, Lord, right here, that you would forgive me for my selfishness. Lord, I know I got selfishness in my life. I know that there's selfishness in my heart. And Lord, I ask that you would please forgive me and that you would please help me. I pray you help my brothers and sisters that we would break selfishness and self-centeredness, Lord God, off of us and that we have an attitude and a mindset and a heart to serve. Now, Lord, I pray for all those right now that have been rejected, that are hurting, that maybe are bleeding right now from rejection, that that story we heard maybe struck a nerve with them or a chord. Lord, I pray for divine healing and help and cleansing, Lord God, of their broken hearts, Lord. And I pray for everyone, Lord God, that's holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness. Lord, give them the grace. Give them the strength. Give them a supernatural ability to truly forgive and to release that person, our people, Lord God, from the offense, Lord God, that they've, they've offended him with. Lord, now I just ask that you would cleanse us. Come on, why don't you just lift your hands and pray this with me, Lord, because just begin asking to cleanse you, Lord, cleanse us. Cleanse our hearts, Lord God. Wash our hearts. Forgive us for our past sins and mistakes and damage we've done in relationships. Now, Lord, continue to change our hearts, even those that have been born again. Lord, continue. We need a continuous changing and renewing of our minds and of our hearts. And, Lord, I just pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come on, ask the Lord. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit in a greater and a more powerful way. That, Lord God, we can truly live our lives in an extraordinary relationship with you, an extraordinary relationship with others. And it's in Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, hey, listen, if you need prayer for anything, maybe you want some, some more extensive prayer, just need to talk to somebody about one of these uh, things in your life, we'll be at the altar here. If not, God bless y'all. Uh, y'all have a wonderful week. See you soon.